Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you again, and welcome back to you. Tadaraba, appreciate that. Oh, and this Tuesday, and I know you're a big Nefesh Benefesh fan for obvious reasons, and that's wonderful. We will actually be doing the show Tuesday morning on the Nefesh plane on Monday. So for those who wonder if you could do a three-hour radio show on a plane, we will prove that it is doable, is possible. And frankly, between me and you, it's going to be very inspirational. It's amazing hearing 233 Olim and their stories about heading to Israel and being inspired to go to uh, Israel. And in addition to that, Malcolm, as we've pointed out before, incredibly inspiring to see tens in this case. Often it's hundreds, but right now it's tens of lone soldiers who are heading from North America mm-hmm. straight to the Israeli army. Yep, really remarkable. Unbelievable. All right, uh, do we have... In the United States administration in Washington, people around the president of the United States qualified enough to make a level-headed decision about how to proceed regarding North Korea. Well, we certainly hope so, and it's it's a very complicated and very delicate situation. It has a lot of ramifications, Um, but... um, you know, sometimes the, uh, the you need tough rhetoric when you're talking to somebody like uh, the ruler of North Korea. Um, I'm not sure what language he does understand, but yeah. but uh, um, it is confusing, I'm sure, to our allies and to enemies alike when they get different messages, though, from different people in the administration. So I hope that there will be a coherent policy that will will come out on this and on other things, but. Do you, th- do you think there's a lot of mixed messages right now coming from Washington? Well, it's being described as such, and when, you know, the Secretary of State or Secretary of Defense, the President comes out with very boisterous language and they tone it down, it could be a deliberate, uh, you know, effort. But uh, the unpredictability is sometimes an asset right. when governments believe that, you know, that the President is capable of doing some of these things, and I'm talking about in the past as well. It uh, takes them off guard, and they they often will be more responsive because they really believe that that they're capable of doing that. So uh, sometimes the the tough language is is very important. Uh, if you remember when the president when President Bush spoke about the axis of evil, mm-hmm. there were people who were critical, but it really had a profound impact and, and a lasting one. Um, it wasn't, you know, fully acted on as some people had hoped or perceived, uh, but the, we know what the reaction was amongst the, any of the governments and to whom it was targeted. So we'll have to see what, what the actions are, but, you know, we all know that this is a very complicated uh, situation. Is there a general, and we've discussed this before, I believe, is there a general quick analysis about how we, and the administration in Washington deals with North Korea as opposed to the way we deal with Iran. Are, are they? Is, is it comparable in terms of the reactions to both countries as they continue to build their arsenals, or would you say it's totally different? No, they're not, they're not only total, not totally different, they're integrated. Iran is part of the North Korea problem, and North Korea is part of the Iran problem. Uh, we know that the missiles that Iran uses are based on the North Koreans, North Korea, the Iran's technologies being used in the warheads in, um, in North Korea. So it's, and scientists from both, engineers from both uh, are there at launches in each country, 
so there is a, a, a you know a relationship and uh, I, perhaps even integral relationship between uh, the two. Dictators understand strength. The um, there are obviously differences when you're dealing with Iran and you're dealing with uh, North Korea. Their vulnerabilities are different. You see the impact of sanctions in North Korea have minimal, uh, seem to have a minimal impact, whereas in Iran they have. You can cut off the oil, you cut off other things. It, it really does have uh, a huge impact. Not because sanctions don't impact North Korea, but they don't seem to care. Right, and, but we've always pointed out that they seem to be much more under the radar than Iran. Is that over now? Are they Are they no longer under the radar? Well, there's certainly. I mean, I, I've talked about it on the show right, for, but, for a long time, and and but it seems Washington not alone. It, it seems it seems Washington especially pointed to it, but in part because of the relationship to Iran. You know, North Korea is far away and it's isolated, and it you know it, it it's not seen as posing a major danger to the American homeland. Whereas now, with the longer range missiles, it is. Congress, in general, would you agree? Has never really been as 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 tough, or has paid enough attention to Korea, to North Korea, mm-hmm. as they have Iran. Uh, and not just Congress. I think uh, generally we, we did not pay enough attention earlier right. on as they developed a lot of these uh, missiles and the programs. And the reason I say Congress, when you see senators, many of them prominent, many of them you know longtime senators, <laughs> calling for diplomacy in a situation like this, after you just described how important strength is and a show of strength is. I mean, do you roll your eyes at that? Is this a time when? When leaders in government in the United States, you know, should should reserve those comments and and let Washington act as tough as possible. Look, I always think you need to use all the tools that you have, and um, diplomacy is one of them. But y- y- you have to look at who you're talking to. Right. I mean, do you think the North the North Greens have demonstrated any sensitivity to? Uh, Diplomacy and and how about those who ate them and made them? Clearly, China. Everybody acknowledges is the key to this. They're the major trading partner. The, the fact that Russia and China joined in the sanctions, I think, was significant. But it may also have been a, a tactical move so that they, you know, don't become targets of some of the actions. And to see that it's it's uh, contained in in a way that China. Uh, which has its own agenda, for instance, uh, they're concerned about a mass migration of people from North Korea into China and millions of people crossing the border um, it would be a you know a, a tremendous burden and a disaster for them because uh, North Koreans have crossed before, and uh, then they create refugee camps, et cetera, like in other parts of the world that we've seen. So every country has its own husband, some of them, don't want to succumb. Some of them don't want to want to have the same flexibility and see North Korea as a proxy situation. Um, but for for Japan, for South Korea, for Guam, and for us now, it is a serious challenge. And I think the Chinese and Russians should be much more concerned about it as well. Yeah, I get that. All right, um, are there going to be indictments? Is the uh, is the Prime Minister of Israel going to face indictment? Has, has the First Lady has Mrs. Netanyahu actually been indicted yet? No, nobody's been indicted. There are a lot of reports, but we know that uh, the reports don't necessarily materialize, and because there's a report, it doesn't make it necessarily true, uh, or, or even po- possibly true sometimes. But, uh, look, there is a lot of, of smoke, and there usually is some fire there. Clearly, there are, there are three investigations. Uh, they involve different uh, subjects and different uh, people, 
but you know it has uh, at the very least a distracting impact for the prime minister that he can't be focused the way he needs to be even though he seems to be able to separate these things but it must be very hard when you know you're under constant the constant barrage and i'm sure meeting lawyers and having to anticipate the, the problems he faces wife faces and uh, you know the uncertainties that come with it because obviously they can't discuss it uh, with him um so we'll have to wait and see people shouldn't judge to to conclusions you give people a chance in their day in court and you know it's very easy to make accusations uh, and the israeli press then scandalizes these as we see in the american press today yeah. but we should you know let him do that already you know you have people talking about succession and but but i think that that has been growing because he's he served for a long time and sometimes it's time for a change but so far he still seems to be the single most popular person the vast majority of israelis believe that if he's indicted he should at least suspend himself yeah i couldn't believe that was close to 70 percent boy what did you think of that that is a big number yeah i couldn't believe that and also um i mean many people are painting this as you know the media the, the media versus bb that the media essentially not maybe necessarily the people but the media has had enough of him at this point and is and is working, and I know there's no collusion, but you know what I mean by it is working with the uh, you know the prosecutors, those who are in, uh, those who are in the Justice Department to uh, to try to oust him. I mean, is it in fact a media versus BB battle at this point? Well, I don't know that they're working with the people in the Justice Ministry. Is the Attorney General is his appointee, and there's a very straight and honorable person, uh, Mandelblit. Uh, I think that uh, the certainly Minister of Justice is. You can have people in, in the bowels of the police and, and uh, justice, as we've had here and anywhere else in the world, people who have agendas and who can, um, but they, but it's hard, I think, for them to manipulate the whole uh, uh, situation. The, um, you know, the press, will we'll latch on to stuff because this makes great headlines. You can sell newspapers for a long time on a little store. You can take any element and, and blow it into something where somebody makes a charge and then that becomes a story and you know you don't have a chance to refute and repudiate every single thing that, that comes up. Yeah. So, I remember with I remember the Clarence Thomas hearings, they said that the, 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 the highest ratings were when Anita Hill was was uh, testifying because everyone understood what a secretary does. Everyone understood, like everyone, everyone was able to relate to you know, the relationship they had and what was going on. I think to a degree, uh, you know, the public uh, understands what it is to accept gifts, what it is to you know to to be treated to fancy cigars, fancy you know drinks and liquor and all that stuff. And I I think people just relate to it more. And 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 this type of scandal, quote-unquote, could last in the headlines longer than the more complicated ones. Well, also, you have to differentiate between propriety and illegality. You know, you might have things that are improper. You know, if he took cigars and, and champagne, I mean, really, that is not a criminal act. And, and leaders all over the world do these things. Um, when it goes beyond that, that's... Yeah, I think it becomes a different quality well, of the any, issue. If, if there's anything we learned here in New York State is that there's a uh, there's a big blur now between unethical and illegal, and 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 the line that used to exist between the two uh, has uh, has really disappeared. And uh, the also has has right. lost a lot of its responsibility to right. for accuracy and 
people falling into traps in, in, in a lot of these issues. When we speak next, do you think there'll be an indictment by then or not? Or do you just don't want to predict? No, I don't think. Uh, it, it, it's a lengthy process before. Uh, I it's so funny that the it. headlines this week was like, she'll, she'll be indicted within 24 hours. Like, well, it's very so. This is uh, Netanyahu being indicted doesn't affect the government right, so much. I mean, that's, it's not good, and it's, uh, right. I'm sure, very harmful to them. And But the um, but the prime minister is the one that, that would have the real implications. Right. And it's the gifts... It's the which includes, by the way, jewelry and uh, and and monies paid out to take care of her father. It's the Yidiot, you know, the the one we spoke about, the newspaper scandal, so to speak, you know, and they, the submarines, and plus the submarines, and 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 that one seems to be at least according to our uh, analyst, Mayor Weingarten, that seems to be uh, the the one that BB is is most furthest away from. Like he has the the, the least well, the least people close to him are are right. involved in it. It doesn't mean that he was involved right. or knew about the you know any of these people receiving money or whatever from. Uh, the funds, and again, we shouldn't jump to a conclusion that this, in fact, that any of this really rises to to level of an indictment. Right. What but did you think of the strategy to have the big league hood rally? Like a lot of times, you would say in situations like this, just you know, just, just stay quiet and don't call attention to this stuff. Here, they're getting together and you know, do, doing a big support BB rally. Well, the press keeps kind of comparing it to to. The things that President Trump uh, would do, and that the um, because the media in Israel j- tends to be more left and always critical of of the incumbent, often in- critical of the incumbent, and maybe felt this as a platform where a he would show all the potential rivals within Likud to to back off to say that he has the he has support and that they. You know, not not you know, wait till the corpse is cold before they go are running in in uh, for the for the position. Right. So it's it's I'm sure it's meant for internal uh, Likud and for Israeli internal political things overall, and uh, it's a reinforcement to so you go to a place like that and you show that that thousands of people come and are still standing with him. But if you look at the you know the polls about all the different candidates, they they seem to be rising. Even even in Likud, or even in Likud, Sar certainly seems to right. be amongst them. And then comparing them all to each other, you have like six candidates, all of whom are within a couple percentage points in overall popularity now. But but that doesn't necessarily translate into candidacies or translate at an election. That's for sure. We've learned that lesson. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com. On the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Holmline is with us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Taylor Forsack gets through the Senate Foreign Relations Committee 16 to 5. Were you surprised, as many in uh, Jewish media were, that Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey voted against it. Yes, I was very disappointed uh, in his vote, uh, and I read the uh, his statements afterwards. I don't think that they are an explanation for what he did. Um, as you know, he also uh, went against the Iran deal. Right. So yes, it's it's disappointing, and and we have yet to see the kind of uh, uh, explanation for the vote. I don't know. Was he uh, unfairly? touted as a big supporter of Israel early on, would you say? Are we getting to know what he's really about now? Or 
uh, I can't say that uh, I can't psychoanalyze him. Yeah. I, I know I knew him for a long time, and when he was a candidate, he certainly always said the right things, and uh, still often votes the right way, but not consistently. And you know, people who come from New York, New Jersey, they are looked to as, as by others as a guide, and maybe they're looking ahead at, at the Democratic Party. Maybe they're looking at the Sanders wing of the Democratic Party when in the actions that are taken in regard to Taylor Force in regard to um, the BDS, the, the um, boycott legislation. And we've seen it even from our own senator in New York, um, uh, Gillibrand. Yeah. Also disappointment. Can't figure out some of the things she's been saying. By the way, when BP goes to Beitar, right, to essentially uh, announce further housing units going up there, correct? That, that, mm-hmm. that was, and it's, and apparently, if I read the article, if I read the article correctly, it's the first time in a very long time that he's gone somewhere to announce expanded housing. Yes, that he, he himself did it. Usually, it's it's done otherwise. But I think again, he was showing the people there support at the time when. No, I get that, but but am I right, but am I right or wrong that it's it seems to me that there was very little international attention and anger, you know, toward him and toward the administration because of this it, expansion. It that, well, yeah, when the administration doesn't jump all over it, then there's a more muted response. There was criticism in Europe and criticism, some criticism here, but it was pretty muted compared to what we've seen in the past. I mean, can't we learn a lesson already from all this that you know they should just go and do what needs to be done and not worry about what everyone else says? But uh... you mean there's some. Say they should talk less, do more. Exactly. But but they also have to take into account the international reaction, especially when you have so much going on around Israel, whether it's Hezbollah, the situation in Syria, Gaza heating up, and in, in many ways that the you know they have to they, they don't operate in a vacuum. No, I get that. All right. I, I, yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's it's a frustrating issue. I'm sure for you. For I'm sure, sure for you as well. Uh, um, you 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 posted an article about Israel developing ways to survive nuclear radiation. It's unbelievable that you know as 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 the and I I saw this late last night in a television program. There seems to be I guess because of North Korea, there seems to be you no know, now renewed fear about nuclear attack. Which you know I I guess to a degree I would understand that uh, you know the fear. Um, and I was wondering, you know, at this point in 2017, if in fact there are, uh, you know, different things that are being implemented scientifically to try to, uh, to help those who might, God forbid, be, uh, targets of a nuclear attack. Do you have any idea what stage this is at? You know, what, what the Israelis have accomplished so far in this area? Well, first of all, it's not all been revealed about where it's at, but they are working on it. And and you have to look at all the areas that, even in the last days, that have been discussed, that the advances in the uh, in missile protection system of of uh, David's uh, of David Sling and the Arrow and Iron Dome, each one geared to a different range of missile. And the fact is, it's a joint U.S.-Israel project, and they're going into rapid, uh, stepped-up production. And by the way, you know that there are uh, companies in 30 states in the United States that contribute to the uh, to to these systems. People think it's all done in Israel and and the Israelis benefit when in fact it employs many many thousands of people. More than half of the money granted to Israel for the missile defense systems stays in the United States. And as I said, it's been in more than 30 states um, to to um, 
create all the components and everything for the for the system. So it's really a tremendous example of U.S.-Israel cooperation, and it's not a charity that Israel's getting. It's an investment in American security as well. And so in many areas, uh, Israel is trying to develop technology to detect tunnels, which will be important for the U.S. as well. Uh, the the um, new barrier, the attack, the same thing in Lebanon, where more and more missiles are being stored in houses again in southern Lebanon, and you have a tremendous network of underground facilities and, and capabilities, tunnels, but some of them are huge, you know, storehouses and even missile uh, assembly f- uh, factories that Iran supposedly is built underground in uh, in in Lebanon. So the the t- the need to develop new technologies is constant so you get as early a warning as possible that you can determine uh, you know the presence of uh, tunnels or many other threats that are emerging well well first on the tunnel issue i mean are, what's the concern the concern is if they go ahead and uh, and bomb a building or a home that's on top of one of these tunnels that it's it's, it's going to lead to a response and lead to war i mean is that the and that civilians die and israelis don't want to kill civilians and uh, israel's trying to to prevent that by giving them the warning now and saying to the people get out of those houses Who's if you res- hear it warning you know we we know recently that there were cases of UNRWA schools and UNRWA took some steps supposedly to to try and counter it but we know that the Hamas has not changed it. They're still trying to draw fire onto civilian populations. Who leads Hamas now, by the way? Like, I know the name of the head of Hezbollah, and I know the name of the head of the PA, but who's the leader of Hamas? Anybody I would have heard of? Yeah, so, well, well, it just elected a, a, a new head. Hania became is the titular head in, uh, supposedly, out, out of Qatar, but they moved him. Um, so is he and, the one that gets these warnings? Is he the one that has the capability of, of, of transmitting these messages? Well, he would have the capability of of uh, transmitting the message domestically, but there are commanders, there are people on the ground in Gaza, and you know that they're they're going through political throws too. Dahlan uh, making his play, but it seems to be fizzling somewhat. Uh, we're seeing that the Abbas is, by the way, you know, moving to threaten now to cut off the billion and a half dollars he gives them a year. He's already cut the electricity. Who's them? That means Gaza. In Gaza against Hamas, uh-huh. and saying that if you don't, you know, turn over, cede over control to the Palestinian Authority, I will continue to cut off the money. And he cut off jobs for thousands of people. And even as you know, the electricity, the cut off in electricity is because Abbas is demanding it, right. and he he criticized them for using. The, the people get four hours of electricity a day, and he says they're using it to light the tunnels 24 hours. So he's attacking them for, for lighting up the tunnels. And also that the, the Hamas leadership have uh, lights all over their houses for 24 hours a day, trying to embarrass them and, and incite against them. Uh, so you have uh, a contentious situation internally between the, the various parties, let alone within Gaza itself. Um, and speaking, by the way, of uh, of Gaza, the, what's the story with this uh, summer camp for Palestinian Americans? They 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 actually invite uh, American citizens who are of Palestinian descent back to uh, Ramallah to attend a uh, a summer camp. And it's it, it, a Quaker it, one, a French group that runs uh, this camp. I think it's called Go Palestine or something, and they they. Um, 
there have been very bad reports about the kind of indoctrination and scary stuff that goes in. But these are Americans, American citizens, who are who are being American sent- kids, Americans, yeah, young people. yeah, American young kids that are being sent back there and then being indoctrinated by this extremist summer camp. That's what they're saying. By the yeah. way, um, kudos to Senator Schumer. He spoke out on this issue. He did because American taxpayer dollars are involved. Money going to to the. Um, to the to the the organization that runs the the camp, and they're saying we don't want to see American tax dollars being used. That's what Taylor Force is about. That's what so many other things is that you can see the continued incitement. You see the continued rewarding of killers and murderers. You see the efforts to radicalize young people, and it's not the only example that's come out. Um, these are all you know, we have a right to demand cutoff of, of funds, and there should be greater scrutiny about how funds are used, both U.N. funds, foreign funds, including American. What do you think of the Jared Kushner statement that there may be no solution to the Middle East peace process? I think what he's saying, it's a very complicated situation that there's, that, uh, you know, history has shown how, you know, how all the attempts, how difficult it is. He's been in the region. I think it's a message that you, you cannot expect instant uh, solutions or that there's no um, immediate formula that can deal with it. As, as you said, you know, you have Hamas and you have Gaza separate from things. So you're talking about a three-state solution. You're talking about uh, Abbas who doesn't want to sit and negotiate, who's trying to, at age, what, 82, 83, trying to last it out and and not have to negotiate, not have to make concessions, not have it to, go, to engage in the kind of process where he would be put on the line. So he does everything to try and switch the onus onto onto Israel, and he's threatened now to go to the International Criminal Court again and to go to U.N. agencies and still fighting in every uh, forum to avoid negotiations and try to uh, force, um, uh, you know, a showdown. And he has really no relationship, not with Hania, not with um, uh, the guy who was elected ahead of uh, Hamas, uh, Yichia Sinwar, and uh, and so he himself doesn't represent and it, it, neither that population, and even if you look in the West Bank population, his popularity is very low. What do you think of the whole uh, dust-up about Mike Pence and the possibility that he's exploring a run for president three years from now? It that, gives that, people something to write about and yeah, talk that, about. That's not unusual, is it? Like, you know, <laughs> there are a million people in Washington thinking about being president, and he's got, an, he's got one foot in the door. Well, but, yeah, vice president is always, but they were yeah. talking about for 2020, and I'm talking about challenging the president now, yeah. and he is denied it. And he said, listen, I'm, uh, I, Mike Pence is a very decent man, and I think a good person, and I think it's really unfair to to label him like that. I mean, his, I mean, regarding our community, uh, meaning our religious community, and uh, and Israel, he's been amazing. Yes, he's very strong. He always has been as a senator. He, he was... Uh, I know, but sometimes people go to sometimes people go to the White House, and you know they're influenced by the State Department and others, and they're not as uh, you know as vibrant on these issues as they were in the past. You know how it is. Yep. We even have senators who are extremely uh, active on this on, on pro-Israel issues who are now you know, turning the tide a bit. I wonder if Hillary was in the White House, by the way, talking about conjecturing and schmoozing about about what's going on in Washington. I wonder if Hillary was in the White House if Cory Booker would would be um, doing things a bit differently. 
Look, we, can, we have enough to discuss with what is and not speculate <laughs> yeah, with what might be. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Iran. They're, get, they're getting too close, according to this article, with this Iranian drone that's going out of its way to complicate the jets landing in, uh, uh, in the Persian Gulf. Explain what's going on and what the threat of this Iranian move means. Well, this is a, a, a part of that series of harassment and uh, challenges to our ships, to our planes, to others. In this case, a drone came within 100 feet of a landing U.S. Uh, plane on, on an aircraft carrier, I think. And the, um, uh, you know, the only thing that, that works is if Iran understands that there's a price to be paid. When we shot across the bow of, of the, the boats that were harassing our big ships, our destroyers, and other things, they ran away. And for too long, we've tolerated it. And, and you know, they get away with it, and they just do more. And this is, um, and it's the Iranians demonstrating their capacity, saying, look, you see, we even have drones, character weapons, and could, could do stuff. Uh, so the... Um, you know, it, people generally read this and say, you know, it's not significant. It's very significant. It means that they're willing to risk if just the slightest miscalculation that a drone hits a plane coming into that circumstance. It right. could, you know, set off a huge conflagration, and, and especially in this super tense area right now, that... Um, uh, you know, it, it and and again, it demonstrates their increased technological capacity, which they boast about and they talk about having an aircraft carrier soon, etc. But they they harass our ships. You know, hundreds and hundreds of ships go through the Straits of Hormuz every day, and this is um, and, and they have said that they will use both the Straits of Hormuz and the Bab el Mandab Straits. That we will choke America, we'll choke the West. There, you should not dismiss those threats. And we shouldn't have allowed it to get to this point. And I would assume no reaction from the U.N. this week on all this. U.N.? No. Uh, Malcolm, you know how much we love good news, especially this time of year, after right after Shabbos Nachamu. Tell us about this 2,000-year-old rare stone vessel that was found by archaeologists in Israel. Well, it, it, there have been so many discoveries, uh, because this is now the season, um, and this is uh, uh, clearly... Uh, uh, very important because it tells a bigger story. This is a, uh, from a Second Temple period. It, it's a chalkstone quarry and a workshop. This is in, found in the Lower Galil by uh, by archaeologists from Ariel University, and they were doing it with the, uh, under the authority of the Israel Antiquities uh, Authority. There was another one, uh, one of these uh, chalkstone caves near Nazareth, but this is unique is that they found uh, a stoneware workshop and remember the stoneware was important because it doesn't it's not macabre tumor it doesn't become ritually impure and um, they didn't have to make it disposable like others that's right and and there was but there was an uptick during the second temple period right probably because of that um, this and the Gemara makes some references uh, to it so you had storage jars and the tableware Other things usually made uh, of uh, pottery. So these things are literally from the year one, from the first century, <laughs> from, and and before. Right. It's so pretty, pretty right, and and um, and it's hard, so it's very rare to find a production center for these things. You know, I always wondered where where they make them, but to find the, this intact, um, and it shows how 
maintaining ritual purity was uh, was important, not just in Yerushalayim, but even what was then far off uh, Galil. Unbelievable. The whole thing is incredible. And you also good news that uh, the S&P credit rating for Israel was raised uh, from uh, neutral to positive, I think, uh, and it has an A-plus rating. Um, and uh, this is, uh, you know, it's the, it's based on the lower public debt to GDP, which went down from 69% to 64%. So the economic outlook was uh, was raised as uh, by S&P. The good news continues, plus good tourism right now, and a lot of people over the next couple of weeks heading to Israel, visiting there, plus, as I mentioned, 233 old this coming Monday. Lots of activities. People realize that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. Um, we'll update everybody regarding our plans for next week. Malcolm, you let us know your schedule, and I thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful show. Have a good show. There he is, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Not 100% sure yet regarding Malcolm's schedule for next Friday. As soon as we know, obviously during the week, we'll let everybody know uh, what to expect next Friday morning regarding the weekly update.